I always joked we played football in high school and it was always like, you know, it was McGowan, McAlevey, Conti, Warziniak, all the names were just literally like central casting Catholic high school, right? But like those people are people that I've known my entire life. So like within a couple months, we knew the world. Small town, but like everybody. Here, I feel like we've been here three years and if not for the fact that I have friends that were here beforehand, harder to know. Always the one to be there for friends and family, Kevin McGowan prioritized the things that would ultimately make him happy. A temporary move 3,000 miles east made for a network of friends that have lasted a career. A similar move westward, however, didn't seem to forge the same type of community. Find out how mellowing out and taking yourself less seriously, whether as an individual or a whole city, can help open you to more connections on today's Roads Taken with me, Leslie Jennings Rowley. So today I am here with Kevin McGowan, and we are going to talk about fit and what that means for different times of our life. So, Kevin, great to have you here. Thank you. Appreciative of your time and happy to be here. So I start this the same way every time, and it's with two questions. When we were in college, who were you? And when we were getting ready to leave, who did you think you would become? That's a good question. When I was in college, I was probably... um, the knucklehead uh, guy that delivered kegs for Stinson's. <laughs> I drove keg one. I, I always joke with people that I was popular on campus and they say, you wish. I'm like, no, really, I drove keg one. Everyone knew who I was because of that. Um, <laughs> you know, and I, and I worked a weight room, although all the real cerebral jobs that I had in, <laughs> in college. But, you know, I probably, you know, I, I like to think I was a good friend to my, to my, all the folks that I knew. Probably was someone who probably could have studied a little harder. I think, you know, most people probably will probably say that I'm, I, I guess I'm not unique in that one, but I, I, I'm amazed at how much more intellectually curious I am later years than sort of like, oh, I just have to get this damn paper done for a class or, you know, I, I think we, the thing that we spend the most money on is the thing we try to get the least value from. Like, you know, oh, professor canceled. Sweet. I don't have class. I'm <laughs> you pay all that money for, <laughs> for your schooling, but you know, you're like, oh yeah, what gets me through this as little or as fast as possible? I might've been guilty of that being that guy um, when I was there. Um, when I was leaving, you know, I, I don't, I didn't have grandiose like world conquer plans. I, I was hoping I would be happy, you know, good career family. Uh, I didn't have any notion that uh, I was going to start the next Amazon where I work. I, I wasn't uh, that, you know, uh, grandiose in my plans. So um, in that sense, I, I think I, I like to think I've hit the mark a little bit on that one in terms of happily married wife, kids, puppy, the whole nine yards. <laughs> so got that. Exactly. And so I know because I was one too, um, economics major. Oh, yes. Yep, same. Yep. The dismal, the dismal science. Right. For those of you who've thought of it that way, like myself, it was, oh my gosh, can I really use this? Did I learn enough to use this? So what was that first thought for you career-wise after we left? You know, it's funny. I think the two things. One, I actually, I've been lucky enough, or I don't, maybe not lucky, I don't know how you would say it, but I've actually had jobs where some level of economic knowledge has been helpful. Like, you know, I've worked in foreign exchange for quite some time, and that is at its core sort of your uh, your macro class you had with uh, Professor Khan or uh, whoever you had for, uh, for yes. that. Yes, bad memories. Come on. That was a yeah, mean, mean man. No. Um, so <laughs> so <laughs> true. But, um, but you know, it's funny. I, I give this advice to people I meet now, and I have nieces and nephews who are college age now. And I say, like, listen, you know, I, I 
I thought it would be the thing that would help get me this like high paying money job, right? It's, not that I didn't enjoy it as well, but and then you know a year or two out of college, all my buddies who did really really well in history or religion or something that would have been probably far more intriguing and fascinating to me. Still got the jobs at Lehman Brothers. I'm showing my age by saying Lehman Brothers, but like, right, you know, they still right. got those roles because effectively they demonstrated the ability to think. It didn't matter that they didn't know that the ISLM curve or you know the Durbin-Watson score on my industrial organization class, which I loved actually. I still remember like that class, right? Was like the people there didn't care as long as they figured you were smart enough to learn what they wanted you to know. So I always tell like my nieces and nephew, like take something that interests you do as well as you possibly can. Everything else will take care of itself when you come out of um, school. I should have had that advice when I was there, you know, but, uh, you know, I don't, I don't regret taking it. You can't, don't, you don't live your life that way, but yeah, definitely. my GPA might've been North, a little further North of, <laughs> of the mark that it was uh, when I walked out, if that were the case. Yeah. I think that is great advice. And I wish I had taken it yeah, <laughs> myself <There you> go. <laughs> when I was back then. So I know you've been in exchange for a long time, but what was that first step? Was it still, was it a- Yeah, I think services? I first worked as a money market broker, like old fashioned, like voice broking people like on phones with banks. And I was a, what they call a board boy. I'm sure they probably have a better, less derisive term these days, but like you'd stand in front on a giant whiteboard, the size of like the room, and you would write down the prices that they called up. Very, very analog compared to the technology of the day. And I think the folks in that business knew that they were going the way of the dodo sooner rather than later. I mean, they had made some phenomenal amounts of money back in the 80s when that was sort of standard technology and it was, you know, how things went. But as as more and more things went electronic, I think they knew the writing was on the wall. So it was only there temporarily. And from there, I kind of moved into a bank, uh, a Japanese bank. And that's sort of how from there I kind of ended up getting into the world of FX via V, my time uh, working there. So, yeah, it wasn't like I set out to think like, oh, I want to, get in the foreign exchange market, you know, but it kind of found me and worked, it gave me the opportunity to go to London and kind of live there for a few years and be in that market because they're sort of, it's sort of the focus of the market, given their time zone, they kind of catch Asia in the morning, they catch the United States uh, their afternoon. So they're sort of like the head, the world headquarters where all most FX banks are in London. So that was kind of a neat thing. And it's a, it's a, it's a small little, um, I don't mean it negatively incestuous uh, uh, industry. You know everybody, like you know. And it was so you knew characters, some of which you love, some of which you can live without. But that was just it was very easy to know a lot of the players quickly. So it was kind of fun that way. Still big on entertaining when I was there. I was, that was another big thing. A lot of we had people that were called liquidity specialists. Now liquidity meant like to get people to put prices into the market so you could trade. But I think we all joked that it really meant you bought beers for people to get them to do. <laughs> <laughs> to do that. <laughs> so that was really where it came from. Yeah, exactly. So one of the things, though, I think that's a theme with you, and you actually could have said it in college, you think you were a good friend to those around you. I think that camaraderie of that industry, you know, being incestuous, yeah. but really just knowing everybody is a theme that you continue throughout your life of, you know, you kind of gravitate back, even though you have this time in London, you gravitate back to the New York, Metroplex, right. New Jersey area where you're from, um, big family. But, you know, that being around people that you know and are right. compatriots of yours, that seems to yeah, be really important. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And, and you know, it's funny to that end. 
you know, 20 years on now, I came back from London and heck, when did I move back in 03, right? So coming up on 20 years now, I still talk to those people religiously, see them all the time. And it was fun. at the time I was sort of the young Turk. And now like when I go back, like not, I'm not young anymore, Lord knows at 47, but like, you know, friends of mine who are like well in their 60s. And I, I you know, I think it strikes my daughter as funny that like I might, you know, one of my better friends in London, Mr. Gibbs to them is, you know, Dave's like 65. Like, you know, it's just like, and it seems like they're hanging out. I'm hanging out with their grandfather kind of thing, but like, that's just, you know, the way, but yeah, so I do, I've, I've kept in touch with those people quite a bit. I mean, it does get easier with technology, thankfully, right? I meant, um, I, I noted this when I talked about my mother, she had a similar attitude, but like she worked hard at it because when she grew up, it wasn't easy to keep in touch with people people could easily disappear, right? They would go away and you had to write them, right? Or make a phone call, like, you know, know, kind of things like that. So I think even though it is easier to keep in touch with people, we we could work harder at at doing that, right? Maybe not just a text, pick up the phone every now and again and talking to someone. It's not as easy as just saying, hey, hey, how you doing with the text? It's great, but it's not not necessarily the same kind of interaction that you you get when you're either face-to-face or kind of hearing someone's voice. It's good to see but I think that's important. I think people lose, lose sight of that. Yeah, yeah, totally. And so in the progression of your career, staying within foreign exchange, you yep. came back to New York and you've had you know different things. But then there was a move away from that center of gravity for you. So talk about that. And then I'm going to bring it back to this kind of building, yeah, building the family. Absolutely. Yeah, it's it. funny. Uh, yeah. When I left to come to Seattle, it was it wasn't. Part of it was, um, you know, after 20 some odd years of, or, or more, I mean, hell, for, given you mentioned I lived there, I was born there, like, yeah, 40 some odd years of being there. I was just like, well, there's got there is something else out there. I know I've, I've experienced it in a short period of time living in London. I just, I thought this was the time to try to do it. My kids were of an age where, yeah, it stinks to pull them out of school and move them, but I'm not dranking them out of high school, right? I have a 13-year-old, I have a 10-year-old, two, two daughters. So, you know, 10 and seven was a little easier to kind of make that bold move than 18 and 15 when you're really going to have them hate you for the rest of your life <laughs> if you kind of like drag them away from what they know. So there was that. I mean, I think it was just an opportunity to do something different. I worked a number of banks and, you know, it, it can be a grind. I mean, it can be a grind anywhere working, but it's funny when I, you know, Amazon, I think had this reputation for being this really hard place to work and people kind of are kind of ground down. And then, and then listen, you work hard, but I think the notion is overplayed. Like, you know, one of the first couple months I was in there and I was talking to one of my former friends and a colleague, he worked at a bank still. And he was like, everyone in banking knows banking sucks. <laughs> he was like, <laughs> he's like, like, you're just smart enough to get out. Like, he was joking, like, you know, but like, it's like, I think this notion that somehow people in banks are just like the old gin and fat cats of yesteryear. <laughs> it's like, those guys work really hard. You become a number, right? Unfortunately, like when they have wave after wave of layoffs and I, I was laid off from JP, like, you know, and that's what it was. You're like, oh, you know what? I'm tired of being just like one of X. I was one of many that got hit, hit with it. It wasn't like it was just you. <laughs> We're getting rid of you. It was it was more, you know, and then you're, just a, you're just a number. I saw a lot of good people that I worked with over the years get let go. And it was not because they, they didn't perform. It was just, well, we have numbers we have to hit and we're going to cut X thousands of people. Could Amazon do that in the future? Possibly. It, it doesn't seem like that's their sort of course of action. But, you know, it just seemed like the time to make the move and give it a try. My wife is from Seattle. That wasn't really the over like arching reason to come back. Like her parents are here, so it's good to have my children, you know, be near their grandparents. And in particular, like you know, my wife, she's born here, but her parents are from Korea. 
And uh, so it's a great cultural thing for them to see, like, you know, we crazy old Korean grandparents, as we call them, but like my wife included <laughs> on that one. But, like, right, you know, right. so like, you know, they are like, you know, sometimes there's like stereotypes for a reason, like they, they fit it. And, you know, my, my wife and her brother and sister will laugh about it all the time. Like they are definitely like, <laughs> like, like immigrant central casting 101 sometimes, you know, <laughs> like, you know. They've retired in the last five, six years, and like we laugh like their English is getting awful because all they do is sit around and talk to Korean to one another, and they go to Korean stores and Korean friends and whatnot. And I said to Sue, it's like if I went my wife, if I went to Paris, moved to Paris and ate hamburgers only. <laughs> like that's sort of what like they, they eat Korean all the time. Like maybe we get them get some pasta every now and again. And it's just kind of funny, but it's I mean, they're amazing people. They, they are, I think to me, a testament to the American dream still being very much alive and attainable for someone that showed up in the 70s with you know two nickels to rub together maybe and go to school and get their degree one's an architect one's a teacher and have have done this and raised a family so i think i want my kids to be around that and see that as well so it's been good in that sense as well yeah and yet you made those professional and personal roots back east so talk to me about the the part that might not feel so good or or you wish were yeah. different yeah, that, you know, it's funny. I'm sure if anyone from Seattle listening will either, either be like, yeah, dead on, preach on, man, or he's a nut. He's just saying that because he's not from here. But the people are, are friendlier back east. They're warmer. They're, it's, you know, they talk about the Seattle freeze here. That's probably a generalization. But they're not quite the same uh, in terms of welcoming as um, I think the – the folks that I knew uh, back on the East Coast, and every time we went to a different area, you seem to make friends faster in the East Coast than you do here. And just maybe it's me. I don't, you know, like I'm not saying I'm not blameless in anything, but like it's just my wife who's from here sees it. You know, she's been, she was 20 years on the East Coast, and she's like, this is not the same place it was when I left back in. 2001 right so i think that sense i you know, see i do miss that i miss the relationships with the people that i i had um there greater sense of camaraderie uh here it's, it's people are a little bit more closed you know i hate to that's a generalization i don't want to like yeah, stereotype yeah. or whatever but like yeah people aren't quite so warm like you know um as sort of i feel like there is something to be said for like that first generation second generation immigrants family you know the italians the irish the polish you know i I always joked we played football in high school, and it was always like, you know, it was McGowan, McAlevey, Conti, Warziniak. All the names were just literally like central, again, central casting Catholic high school, right? That's, and then we were then that, but like those people are people that I've known my entire life. So, like, everyone kind of gravitated real uh, heavily to one another uh, and quickly, right? So, we moved to Glen Ridge in New Jersey. Same thing within, you know, within a couple months, we knew the world small town but like everybody here. I feel like we've been here three years, and it's not for the fact that I have friends that I've, they knew that were here beforehand. The gentleman introduced me to my wife, right? Dartmouth guy, Brian Knutson, 96. I know him. Uh, so I see him, right? But uh, she sees her her friends from high school and college. But beyond that, it's not like I have a thousand friends that I've made. Uh, coworkers aside, I work with some great, co- some great people, but I'll joke. Most of them are from the East Coast. <laughs> Most of them are from like the South. Like, you know, there's not many um, locals uh, or a lot, a tremendous amount of uh, folks from overseas I work with, right? You know, my team alone, I, I manage people from India, I mean, people from China, people from Singapore. It's like, you know, wonderful people. But it is kind of funny that like the native, I'll say native Seattle in the sense that like someone who's been here for a while, not maybe born here, harder to know a little bit. What's the calculus then when you have now they're 10 and 13? approaching that 15 and 18 right Mm, um and and we've talked about how tech enables 
a little bit of more flexibility in terms of being able to keep yeah. in touch. So where where's the balance and and how do you go about making decisions that are based on that kind of cultural fit? Yeah, you know, it's funny, I, you know, and you, you, you joke about the 15 and 18. My wife and I do at times and we're like, when Lucy, my little one, when she's 18, we're out of here. <laughs> like, you know, I love Amazon. I'll keep working for them, but I could work for, to your point anywhere. Uh, or I could even, you know, there's not many places in the world that, that you can't find an office for Amazon <laughs> somewhere. So like moving back to the East Coast is absolutely sort of something we, we talked about. Like I don't, we don't, either one of us see us staying here in Seattle when that time comes and it might not be eight years. I don't, I don't have a clock on my wall running down. <laughs> like, you know, you know, and I don't want to be all gloom and doom. There are wonderful things about being here. That scenery is magnificent, right? It's people are complaining that it's hot. Um, Leslie, it's 80 degrees outside right now. It's not hot. There's <laughs> right. no humidity, right? I guarantee right. you. Exactly. You're living there in Princeton. I, I know. I, grew up, I went to high school not far from there. It's miserable in the summertime. It is, like we it used is to come. To we used to come here in the summer. My wife would come with the girls for a month and change into camp at my in-laws because it wasn't scalding. It wasn't hot and sticky, right? So, like, yeah. Exactly. So, you know, there's definitely you know in the winter time the skiing's amazing and having access to it. So, like, yeah. Just to be clear, before I, everyone. I'm not just beating up on Seattle, but like, yeah. Um, but from a cultural standpoint, yeah, I don't think we we feel like there are we're a little bit square pegs and round holes out here a little bit. Like, we're not, you know, people might get, people might laugh when I say this because I did write for the review when I was in college, but I'm not really a political person. I could care less. People live it here. It's a thing. Mm-hmm. Like, it's everything. Like, you know, you're judged by the sign and how much you care on the lawn of what the cause is. Like, you know, I just I don't have time for it. I. I Kind of like everybody, I don't, you know, I really don't care about <laughs> what they believe or vote, and uh, it's. We think that might be part of it. Like they can sense that we're not sort of like, you know, I joked that you know it's an open-minded city, <laughs> as long as you agree with what the <laughs> prevailing thought is, right? So, uh, and maybe that's a, a stretch, but like I think there is some of that. Like you know, um, just I don't have a lot of time. I can't be bothered worrying about that. Worry about like my family. Worry about you know working hard, making sure my daughters are raised right, uh, whatever the thing is. I don't care about like the guy that's in the office right now or the guy before the, you know, it's like they're both just politicians at the end of the day. Right. You know, it's, um, I think that part of it, people seem to feel it really deeply here. Like the, I've never been in a place where you see more like stickers and signs for insert uh, politician here. Really kind of odd to me. I think people on the East coast, like, you know, I don't know what my neighbors voted for in Jersey because no one cared. Like we just went about our lives here. It's like a, a thing that people kind of fix it on a little bit, which is, I, I just find it a little disinteresting. You know, that's, that's really all it is. I wouldn't say apathetic. I, I care about our, our country, but I, I, I don't obsess over it. I find it like I go to the gym, the planet fitness here. And like they have on the wall, they have like all the TVs and you have your sports and then they have like, you have all these different MSNBC and Fox News, and they're all just talking heads. Like, God, you know, like it's not helping the country. I don't think, you know, me personally, when I when I say that, I just so I think that is something here that we we find that people just kind of like just want to talk about social issues all the time, every day, all the time. Yeah. Um, I think we should we're all work better to be nicer to people broadly. It seems to be yeah where I'm at, but who knows? I could yeah. be um, Well, I mean, that crazy. ties really nicely back to that idea of it wasn't about getting the job that made you lots of money. It wasn't about using this degree per se. It was about what's my, my life going to be like 
in totality that makes yeah. me happy. And it's yeah. the Agreed. it's the family, it's the yeah. values I have, all of those things. So that mm-hmm. seems like it's worked out. So when we're thinking about that younger Kevin mm-hmm. and you think back to him, what pieces of him have demonstrably changed and what pieces are you like yep same kevin um yeah that's a that's a great question i think you know i I probably touched on it before like i said people will laugh but yeah i did write for the review but like you know i think sort of i was full of a lot more piss and vinegar back then like you know i was i was gonna fight the world i'm like uh i think even like i I, towards the end i didn't i didn't anymore and it wasn't that part of it was just time part of it was just like ah just you know it got tiresome yeah. <laughs> like you know that that sort of like idealism on either side quite frankly it just seemed like it's a lot of work <laughs> so yeah. i think that part i think has changed while i still believe in certain things i i'm not one to like argue with people about those things um where you might have when you were college and you're full of beans on you know selling your world vision right so i think that part you realize that no one cares when you get out of college <laughs> ultimately at least not when it comes to like your career and you know, the the woman or the man that you meet in your life kind of thing, right? That's um no one no one cares uh about that that sort of stuff. It's not what people define you as, right? So I think there's that. I think, you know, my enjoyment of wanting to spend time with my friends and, and I you know, it's it's funny as it says, I didn't go to Dartmouth to play football, but I did, but I still do enjoy football. My daughters make fun of me all the time about how much I love football. And like, you know, on a Saturday, college football in particular, on a Saturday, if, if I'm not forced to dragooned into doing something, I would watch college football from noon to noon if it was, uh, if I could get away with it. I never get away with it. That hasn't happened in quite some time. There's always something that comes up like swim meets or mm-hmm. gymnastics or this, that, and the other thing. And I, uh, my parents did it and there's no reason why I shouldn't, right? So um, I think five years younger than my closest siblings. So I spent my life in the back of like a Ford Pinto driving around the soccer practices <laughs> with my mother who was taking them very different places. So like I, I can't complain when I have to go to a swim meet all day on a Saturday. I was just talking to a colleague about that. And anyone getting, if you have a kid who wants to get into swimming, try to talk them out of it. The only other sport <laughs> I hear is worse than swimming is um, friends of mine who played hockey growing up. Yeah. Well, yeah, the swimming is like five and ice time at five in the morning or 10 o'clock at night. Like, yeah, exactly. Um, The swimming is just a long day for a really short. (laughs) It is. Yeah. But yeah. Yeah, the you early mornings are two good. hours for a two minute swim. Like, hey, you, know, you, you <laughs> came in, you came in seventeenth out of forty, honey. That's great, and I mean that. I, I legitimately, yeah. you had a better, but like, yeah, it's like I'm watching Katie Ledecky swim up and down. But, but they they enjoy it, so you do it. Like, you know, I'm sure my mother didn't love sitting there watching football or soccer, and I don't think she ever did really grasp the concept of football. Like, she knew basically what it was, and she knew that her baby was not hurt or the yeah. game was over, right? And that, right. that was pretty much it. So I, I think that part of me has not changed. I still just enjoy I love being around with my friends. I love, uh, I'd like to get a beer and watch some football. I, I mentioned Brian Knutson the other day. Him and I did that. We didn't watch football. We watched uh, hockey or, and we had a beer and, you know, just um, chatted a little bit and, you know, complained about the government or whatever. <laughs> Whatever it is you do when you're you know, a bunch of old men getting grumpy and being, uh, you know, I can say I'm an old man now at 47. But, you know, so I, I do enjoy that. So that, that part of me, I don't think has has changed. I think I like uh, I if I'm uh, infamous or I, I famous for my my emails at work. I'm, I'm I try to like keep people uh, on their toes in terms of like we're not curing cancer. Right. All, all, at the end of the day, I help 
people sell things on Amazon, right? So my that's my in a nutshell what my my job is part of, and like so it's not like I am doing something that's innately noble or anything like that, right? So I think people take themselves too seriously. I try to like make sure that I will kind of pin pop that uh, <laughs> pomposity. So that that probably is the same person that I was when I was younger as well. But yeah, I, mean, I think those those in particular those days jump out. I think you know I, I think most people. I know would say I'm not too too changed since um, I uh, was in college. Really, hope not. And if they do, then they're lying to me behind my back or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm sure they don't because it really does sound as though it's those core things that you know you had your head on straight as a 22 year old, where you know maybe some others didn't and had to find their way, but you you've had it there all along, and it sounds like um, you're reaping the benefits now. So. Thanks so much for kind of taking us through the road and no, letting us letting us to. follow up with you. No, appreciate it. Thank you for setting this up. This is great. I think this is, I've listened to a couple of it. I'm never like I'm not a luddite, but I've never done podcasts before. But I was I, I did I've listened to a couple of the ones you've done. Like it's um, you know, it was interesting to hear people's stories. It's amazing how you know it's a thousand people class. But like you don't like you don't know a tremendous number of them, right? It's I can name yeah. fifty that I could say I know well enough to like know where their parents were or where they're from, right? The rest of the people were just kind of like, you knew them, you were friendly with them, and you chit-chatted over the, a beer at the basement of Fraternity X or whatever the hell you were on campus. But, like, um, you know, it's it's good to hear these stories of, uh, of people that, you know, have, have done amazing things or do amazing things. And amazing, not even, like, on a scale. You're right. I think having a family and being happy is amazing, right? I don't think there's, uh, you know – there's also the people that have, you know, retired early and have already, you know, <laughs> donated millions of dollars to like their college. God bless them too. I think that's great. I think, you know, I think there's always going to be someone more successful than you out there. So I'm thrilled whenever I see someone that uh, went to Dartmouth in our class that's killing it. Good for them. Amen. I think that's yeah. great. Yeah, but what's su- you know, success is a lot of those things it's, and yeah. all of those things, and Agreed. so we don't all have to do all of it. But as a yeah. collective, we're pretty, we're pretty good. This has been great. I really appreciate the uh, opportunity to talk to to you, and hopefully, folks, you know, get a couple minutes worth of uh, entertainment out of it. And you know, yeah. they can feel free to look me up if they uh, want to argue with me about the, the loving kindness of the Seattle people. <laughs> that was Kevin McGowan, who has spent his career in foreign exchange and is currently the head of business operations at Amazon Currency Converter. Originally from the New Jersey New York Metroplex, he currently lives in Seattle with his wife and two daughters. If you have a friend in Seattle whose warmth and hospitality can prove Kevin wrong, by all means be in touch. And if you have any friends who would enjoy hearing the thoughtful stories of people's roads taken from college to adulthood, please recommend our show, which can be found on all the podcast platforms and at roadstakenshow.com. We so appreciate that you listen, and we'd love to welcome new listeners to the next episodes with me, Leslie Jennings Rowley of Roads Taken. Roads Taken.